This is Being Single and Happy with Prem Lata, a podcast about nurturing joy in life as a single person. But hello bonjour everyone, welcome to the second episode of Being Single and Happy. Today we're going to talk about nourishing yourself. So please allow me to welcome again our great uh, co-anchors Ahmed and Michelle. Welcome. And just to give you a brief overview of what this particular episode is about. It's about nourishing yourself. And nourishing is a it, it's kind of a loaded word a little bit, I think, and and so it means nourishing yourself intellectually, spiritually, uh physically, just essentially taking care of yourself. Now, why is this relevant for being single and happy? The reason it's really relevant here, perhaps more so than in other settings, is because when you are partnered with someone, you have a mirror, and that mirror reminds you of what you need to do. When we are single, there is that mirror where you see yourself. So it is really appropriate to kind of just take time out and think about what is what does it mean for me to be able to take myself to where my destination is and in order for us to do that we need to step back in my humble view and dream dream about what is possible because now you are at a point in life where you have essentially come to terms with a lot of who you are right and we will never all be complete but you are at a point where you need to allow yourself in my humble view to say what are my possibilities what are my dreams what are my unrealized dreams and set some achievable goals but also perhaps some fantasy goals that you never thought you you'd be able to accomplish and so we hope to be able to impart to you a few points in this episode on what nourishing yourself means very well said Karim and hi Karim hi Michelle and hi to all of our listeners now i'm really excited about this episode you know what the last episode it got a little heavy it was it was very much talking about accepting yourselves and we talked about a bit of you know some heavy topics there but this episode is all about getting inspired to grow and to nourish ourselves right so i'm just in anticipation of what we talk about here one of the other things i do want to mention for our listeners is that this is our first episode where we'll have a guest as well so stay tuned for that and uh, i'm sure we'll have some really good discussion with them karim coming back to what you were saying i i really found what you said about dreaming so important so essential right like i think about every successful person who came from a different background were able to challenge the you know status quo or even people who are just successful within their streams they always think about having dreams and they always say that they had some dreams in mind which helped them grow and nurture beyond you know kind of their current state so i would ask you what what is your relationship with dreaming especially as a single person because i know you know growing up for me dreaming was have kids have a partner buy a house with that partner all those things but as a single person what were your dreams and how were they different so i'm first of all a very very good question now on dreams you know all i can say is something very simple which is they change over time they just do there is not a day when you a dream is not like a machine which is frozen right and so a dreams are like a mirage mhm you see it and then and then it constantly changes its destination and that's the beauty about dreams is we're allowed to flow and and so you know my dreams as a child were out of fear meaning i wanted to get married and you know satisfy all of the aspirations that my family had set for myself not myself right and so that became a dream and you know my dreams change all the time aspirations change all the time and if we believe in you know darwin's theory of evolution as a planet we are constantly evolving mm-hmm. and so dreams become a very essential part of 
particularly as a single person, because like I said before, you don't have someone who can play back what your emotions are to you on a day-to-day basis. Right. I have many people who I can talk to. That's not my point. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I wake up alone, I go to sleep alone. For me, that part of just awakening myself to the possibilities in life is, has been an incredibly important part of my journey. So Kariman, talking about how dreams evolve, which is true, because I think back to being young and having those dreams of, you know, what, how, how will I be accepted, you know, or what's going to make more people like me? What's going to make my, uh, what's going to make my family proud? And sometimes we can, at least, well, I can only speak for myself, but living someone else's dream right? Or kind of going down that path. So I know that dreams are always evolving. I know mine certainly have. Was there a point in your life that you actually started out living someone else's dream? And when did that start to evolve into, okay, I'm going to create what I want? When did that happen for you? Actually, Michelle, I've never thought about that. However, what I will tell you, if I was to put a time spend uh, stamp on it, I would say it's probably about 20 years ago, because until then, I used to fantasize about living other people's lives, right? Meaning how successful people are. And I think to a certain degree, that's natural. We should not beat ourselves up for that. We all have role models. We have mentors. But at some point in our lives, I do believe each one of us realized that our life is our own. As Oscar Wilde said, be yourself, everyone else is taken. In being yourself, then that expression begins because we've been through that journey of self-acceptance. That's a journey. So I'm not saying we are at the destination, not at all. Mm -hmm. But we've been through that process. And when we feel whole and complete, as much as we can be, then that dreaming becomes a reality and it sets a foundation of nourishing yourself. It really does, because you're spending time on yourself and not anyone else. And hearing that, it just it, it resonates because I do remember kind of getting to a point when I was around just before I turned 30. And it's like, okay, well, all my dreams have come true. Mm-hmm. And I was absolutely miserable and having panic attacks and thinking, hey. You know, but my dreams have become true. But my dreams have become true. And it's like, they weren't my dreams after all. Hmm. So interesting. I remember like earlier this year, and Karim, you and I had this conversation, right? Like, like I have a partner. I bought a house with my partner earlier this year. So it was, it's all these milestones that you want to tick off or the dreams you want to tick off. And for some aspects, I guess it's important for everyone, right? We talked about having your own space, safe space and this for me meant a safe space as an immigrant person to have my own home. But I was suddenly at loss. I was like, what's my next dream? And because the next dream should be to have kids, because that's what my ex-classmates are doing or my colleagues are doing. But I'm not going to have kids. I I have made that choice. So what's going to be my dream? And what's that purpose, right? So it's, it's a hard one for, I guess, people living. I shouldn't, I don't want to say sidelines, because that's negative. But in the different intersectionalities, whether you're queer, whether you're single, whether you're a woman, whether you're brown, whatever that is, to think of, you know, these are the unique dreams that are true to you that would be healthy and would make you prosper in life. So I guess what I'm saying is I'm still trying to figure out what my next dream is. But if I have to ask the both of you, what is your dream in life right now? I will say one thing off the top of my head when we were when you were talking that word should that really that's a real mm. Mm. I want to refrain from profanity so I won't say what I actually want to say but should mm-hmm. man that's a toxic word yeah Karim you take I want I'm curious as to what you have to say about this one so I I will tell you um Michelle and Ahmed hate to say sound a little bit banal mm-hmm but I've got some goals, uh, you know, everyone does, you know, whether they're a financial, you know, a health, family oriented, uh, mm-hmm. just goals in, in terms of, you know, 
whatever I want to accomplish in life. But that's, that's not the purpose. And I think we need to come back to, when we talk about dreaming, we come back to purpose. Mm-hmm. And what is the purpose that defines us? And right now, I'm say, I don't mean to sound immodest, please don't take this wrong, but I feel that in the aspirations that I have pursued, which are not goal-oriented, but they are very purpose-filled, I am where I want to be at in life. And I will say something even more provocative, so much so that if for some unforeseen reason I pass on from this planet, I am completely at peace with it. That's how content I am with my life. People kind of freak out when I talk about moving on and, 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 and I'm content because I know it'll freak a lot of people out, but it's just the way I feel. I've arrived at a very, very good space. And alhamdulillah, like, I mean, it's, it's wonderful. So, Krim, one of the things you've said is that the, so first of all, that really resonates with me. Um, I think that's something that we all aspire to, is to just be at that place where you're perfectly content where you are. And, you know, the best dreams are the ones that are infused with some sort of passion or purpose, right? Yours, not someone else's. So what is your passion and purpose? So, Michelle, I, I, I just need to go back and just say that when I say I'm content, it doesn't mean I, have, I don't have days that are not good or, you know, mm-hmm. when I cry. So I don't want to make it sound like I'm on the top of, you know, Mount Kilimanjaro or, you know, in Kathmandu. Wait, you mean like you're that. human? what (laughs) you know so anyway so i I just wanted to kind of just say that to qualify my statement because i don't i don't i don't want this to be a kumbaya session right i mean this is a this is real now in answer to your question michelle about uh, about passion so yeah you you know you're dreaming and it's um, dreaming is continuous and passion is where purpose guides it to And what I mean by that is the intersection of passion and purpose is where the magic happens. You know, a a, a loop. What comes first, passion or purpose? I don't know that. I just know that they get along very well together. How do they intersect for you? For me, my, my passion as I may have said several times already in the last eight years has been travel and volunteering and investing. I went into those with an open mind and an open heart, not expecting anything. It's what I wanted to do. And I was very passionate about it. Mm -hmm. And in all three areas, I have humbly succeeded beyond my expectations because I was just chasing my passion and not the goals that I was trained to do in my 29 years at P&G, which is a fantastic company, don't get me wrong. Uh, and it's also very, very purpose bound. But in my generation, we were very goal oriented. And all I want to say is I would say be passion oriented. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and there is a very, very, very beautiful intersection between passion and purpose. Now, if you add knowledge and experience to those two things, oh my goodness, it's, it's, it's like magic happens. And then you just go with the flow. And it, it actually, as you say it, it's unlocking a thing for me when I think about my work, you know, because at work, not every day you have the best day. You want to excel. You have a goal to get the next promotion or a bigger paycheck, right? But sometimes I guess the day-to-day becomes a little hard to get there because you get frustrated. But if you ground yourself and say, my purpose is to learn more at my craft. My purpose is to be a better leader for the people who you know, rely on me. That brings joy, right? Like, and that becomes a passion. And that win feels like a different kind of win than a paycheck. Because then you essentially understand as well, if the highs and lows, you have a bigger purpose that you're 
working towards. Michelle, what's your passion right now? What's your purpose right now? My passion right now. Well, it's 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 strange because with the pandemic, life changed so much, right? Mm-hmm. And in my life before the pandemic, it was all public speaking. There is something magical. I can't describe it any other way that when I was talking to a group of people, mm-hmm. something in me comes alive. And there's just certainty that I'm where I need to be. Things just flow. It's an energetic thing. It's a natural high. And it's like, I know I'm doing the right thing. I'm where I need to be. So when the pandemic happened, I had obviously I stepped away from it because obviously the only just Zoom, Zoom mm-hmm. becomes my, you know, the audience. So realizing that it's how can I get a message out, but not in that environment if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So it was just kind of, it, 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 if anything, it just reinforced what I feel my purpose is, which is sharing. I love that. You want to talk about a kumbaya moment. That sounds like a bunch of people sitting around. I'm just going to share. And that's my purpose in life. No, <laughs> no. What I'm saying is as a writer, like I've been a, like a writer and a speaker and those two meshed very well together for me. Right. So it was speaking those words aloud and now it's just solely on a page. Right. So it's, yeah, I I don't know. You're, you're making me think here. I thought I had a much more definitive answer, but so one of the things that I guess I really notice is when I would say words to an audience, I could see the reaction. Mm -hmm. And right now when I'm writing, I'm writing for myself, but I don't really see, I don't know how it's affecting people. So it's a strange, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a strange place to be, mm-hmm. but I know without a doubt that sharing words in whatever way they are and the substance of those words is part of my purpose. Because when someone comes up to you and says, oh my gosh, that, you know, you helped me change my life which has happened after I've given talks or after I've even taught a yoga class, right? There's something that it's like, okay, well, this is what I'm here for. And it's not that it's, it's like, like, it's like, Oh, Oh, what a, you know, Oh my God, I'm so glad that's over. Mm-hmm. There's a fulfillment. Like, yeah, that's, that's what I'm here to do. I love that. Beautiful. Thank you. What about you? Ahmed? You know what? I'm trying to figure it out right now. I think my purpose and I think it's it's very common for a lot of people in their 30s or people my age where you associate your purpose. Again, we talked about, you know, someone else's dreams. You think about someone else's dream. You want to excel at work because it's very much, you know, you've got student loans to pay off and things like that. So you want to excel at work and you want to prove something to your own self, really. So I think I'm I'm coming out of that to now be like, well, I'm in my mid-30s now. I have a good... I guess, opinion about myself. I'm comfortable in myself. But what do I want my next decades to look like? And it has to be more than just, you know, doing a good job at work or going out with friends and having a good social life. It has to be something bigger than that, right? So I'm thinking about it. One of the things I would say, though, is just the fact that I'm thinking about it and trying to figure that out, there's enough joy in itself. You know, that's enough is a very happy process and people that I have collected in that process while I'm intentionally thinking about it, I am way more comfortable with them than people I've you know known for years because this there's something intentional and appreciative about what I'm doing. Even if I'm not deliberately meeting people for some reason, you know, my I, th- I think my soul is responding to something and saying, okay, this thing is correct because you're on the right path of figuring out your passion and purpose. So I don't know when I'll get there um, or if I'll get there because I am an overthinker and a procrastinator as well, um, which, which kind of leads to, I guess, where we've been talking about the big theories in life right now, right? I, I want to figure out and the experience that you guys have had and the wisdom that you had, learn from it. Like, you know, we all have some thoughts and we all have some ideas, but where, where do we start? Because I find it's tough to start, you know? A lot of my single friends also say that they love being single, you know, the freedom that comes with it. But sometimes the day-to-day is hard, and especially with the pandemic. I think a lot of people have felt that as well, realizing what it means to be 
by themselves. So I guess my question to you is, where do we start pursuing our passion? How do, and as we do that, how do we make our day-to-day more abundant? And if you can see, if you can hear, those are my two dogs just harassing the postwoman. So apologies. They have that. a lot to say. They have, you know <laughs> what? They, they want to get into the conversation about purpose. They very much want to. They very you know what's interesting, Ahmed, before we go to Karim, where do we start? The first thing that came into my mind is it's so easy for me to say, you know, my purpose is to, you know, my passion, my purpose is to inspire others. But I think in order to do that, I have to, in order to inspire, I have to be inspired, right? So I think it's more of an inside job to start with, right? I think a lot of the time we're looking for inspiration as opposed to just sitting with it and letting it come. You're telling me I need to be a bit of a self-starter. I just wanted you to fix my thing. <laughs> no. Oh, what? No, you know what? And the thing is, though, when you're talking about procrastination and all that stuff, where Hey, I like I'm with you. I'm sure a lot of people listening are there too, right? But it's it's again, I think it's without I don't think it's an effort thing, right? I think it just has to come at the same time, not just you know, cross your fingers and hope. Mm -hmm. But how I'm curious, Karim, how did it happen for you? Like how did you discover your passion and purpose, or did it discover you? This probably, Michelle, this is probably another completely different podcast because, you know, it's a chicken in the egg. Mm, got it. And it's all about the universe. And, and I think intention actually takes, it, it takes us to a place. A dream and intention, a, a purpose somehow guides us to places where things happen and they happen for a reason. That's my belief. So intention is where you start. Intention is where you start. The dreaming is where you start. The, 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 the realization that this is something very real uh, and important to you. And for some reason, Michelle, I don't know how to say this. And I, like I said, it may sound a little bit odd to people, but things actually do light up. Once you have made that declaration inside yourself. So the declaration piece is the big piece. It's like declare. And declare not just to yourself, but declare to other people as well. Because the more you declare openly, the more real it becomes around you. And, and somehow it just, it rolls. So it's the power of intention. There is a power of intention, which is not to deny the power of leadership, which is go out and chase what you want. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying it's kind of a combination of the two. So it has to be authentically driven and things will fall into your place if your intentions are good and the world will line up. What's the importance of action in addition to that intention, right? Instead of just saying, making that declaration, it's taking action. So if we wanted to move from, you know, sort of like the, the air balloon flight, meaning talking about dreams and all of that, to planet Earth, which is in practical reality, then let's go for that. Nicely said, Karim. What I'm wondering, though, is how do you make yourself inspired or joyful on a daily basis? Because sometimes it doesn't have to do with your you know, big purpose or big passion. How do you wake up in, you know, in the morning and say, this is what I'm going to do today to feel good about myself, about the world around me, um, and feel the joy and the inspiration? So, <laughs> what a loaded question. Thank you, uh, Ahmed. My goodness. Okay. So, there are so many angles to this, right? Because nourishment means something different to everyone else. So, from a physical point of view, on a daily basis, it's not like I need to try. I have a routine and I, I love to swim. I love to go to the gym. I love to do things that just replenish my physical kind of uh, need to keep my mm -hmm. body fit. Right. Uh, and that is so, so, so important. And a lot of people walk and a lot of people. So I, I think we're preaching to the choir here. But for me, that's very, very important to have something, you know, in, in my calendar as a, as a regular discipline of just taking care of my physical body, nourishment, meaning food, uh, all of that. I take tremendous care of, uh, uh, you know, I, I, was, I was reading up in 1982 on, on natural hygiene and diets and everything. So 
but I really do try to make sure that I'm getting the right nutrients in my body on a daily basis. And that comes automatically to me at this point. It's not a struggle. It's a desire, right? And right. So, so, so there is that. So that's, that's about me. On a, on a, on a social level, I, I, I believe that nourishing myself means uh, keeping in touch with people, mm-hmm. uh, making sure that I have a good support structure around me. Because, you know, being single, it's very easy to kind of get lost in the shuffle. So nourishing myself is surrounding myself with people who I have cherished in my life, who give me energy, who do not detract energy from me. Mm-hmm. And that's so important. And so that, that nourishment, that social nourishment becomes an incredibly important part of my life. Right. And one way to make sure that you become you you remain relevant in other people's lives as well because it's a two-way street is i try to keep myself up to date on what's going on in the world mm-hmm. on politics uh, the markets uh, what's going on in mental health just to be able to be conversant with people not necessarily to impress anyone with my knowledge, because I think there is so much more to learn, right? But to be able to relate to other experiences and, and just to be able to have, a, have an intelligent conversation on subjects that might appeal to anyone who I come across. So keeping myself nourished is keeping myself relevant and keeping myself relevant means I just need to be up and current about what's going on in the world because you never know. Right. And this is something I would just say, and I'm sure Michelle would agree as well. I love that, Karim. Whenever we talk to you, you have always something to say about something. You have a perspective, whether it's, you know, politics and stocks and like, who's going to start or, you know, finish the next war, how the space race is going to, you know, what's the cheesiest show on Netflix and Prime right now? You always have an opinion. And I love that. Ashley Karim, if you would indulge me, one of the things that you mentioned was about your daily routine. And I love the story that you tell about how you wake up early in the morning and you look at the people from your balcony and the cars from the balcony. It's an amusing story to me. Would you mind sharing that with the listeners? (laughs) <laughs> oh, not at all. It, you know, I've discovered that the first thing in the morning, you know, I wake up generally at about 4 a.m. So, you know, and I tune into the news. And I want to watch the global news and I get into the markets and that's my routine. But I do take time out to go into the balcony and I get so much joy just from watching people on the streets and who's crossing, <laughs> you know, yeah, on a red light. And sometimes there are people in a wheelchair and I wonder what their lives are all about. And I just get caught up in that intersection of Bathurst and Lakeshore because that intersection is so lively. It's very badly designed, but it's very, very lively uh, with people. And then at five o'clock, the streetcars start and the ferry starts to, uh, you know, Billy Bishop Airport. And I wonder who the people are in those cars. So my mornings are just very reflective like that. You know, they're not strict meditation, but they're just being with what's around me. And it really grounds me. I, I love the, I just love the idea of Karim sitting on the balcony in the morning, watching all the traffic and thinking how badly this design intersection is. It just amuses me. Could probably write a great story. Yeah. <laughs> or a great, you know, Toronto music, Toronto waterfront musical. Yeah. Michelle, how, how do you nourish yourself on a daily basis? On a daily basis? Oh, I like to get up early. Mm-hmm. Not as early as four o'clock. I'm aspiring to. In the summer, it's easier to get up. I don't know how you do that, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> but get up early. Uh, meditation. To just start the day grounding. Mm-hmm. Silence. Connecting. Again, connecting within. And it's, it's a little pleasure in the morning. It's just a nice cup of coffee and read my book that nourishes me on so many levels. And also, you know, talking to people who recharge my battery, not drain it. Like for example, you both. Yeah. And, oh, and getting outside. It's imperative. 
just mm-hmm. to be outside, fresh air, the more greenery, the better water if it's around, but right. yeah, just walk the neighborhood and yeah. Or mountains. Yeah. Anything, you know what? I love being, I, I love not having a ceiling. Hmm. That when I'm out in that environment, I'm very, that, that nourishes me on, on, yeah. that's why it's so important to get out. Like, even if it's just for a walk around your block, it's just something where you don't have a ceiling. I feel like for us in Toronto, like, you know, this, when the summer is short, but the spring and fall are beautiful. So you want to make the best of, out of it anyway. How do you nourish yourself? Uh, you know what, how I was saying, I'm looking at this episode to be inspired is because I'm really close to not doing you know anything so i'm 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 doing the bare minimum here and and the funny thing is like two things happened in the past year right a the pandemic so all the other distractions in life go away i tend to work a lot and i travel a lot with work or used to i guess travel a lot with work so really that made my life interesting you know going to the airport going to a new city but i wasn't actually doing something solely intentionally for myself and I think it became very obvious with a, when the pandemic hit. And then a few months ago, I moved to the suburbs. So I can't just walk on the street and look in downtown, you know, the hustle and bustle of the city. I had to make myself more interesting. And one of the things that I was watching Cara Delevingne showing her house on Architectural Digest. And she said that her mother says, if you're bored, you're boring. And I'm like, oh, my God, I am boring. So I'm trying to now look at what I want to do. I think going outside, what you said is super important. You know, I still work long hours. So I try to make sure that I take the dogs out for a walk. Uh, If I have time between the meetings, uh, I try to do the same thing as well. Just go out for a walk, do something. What I'm trying to do more intentional about is what uh, Karen mentioned is, you know, be informed. Now, I don't like reading because I'm looking at the screen all day for like so many hours. So what I replaced that with a lot of podcasts. I love my podcasts, right? So that's my way of keeping myself informed and then walking at the same time. It's a double whammy for me. So I'm I'm starting small. I'm doing something. But on this note, I think it's time to introduce our guest. And the reason we are bringing our friend Ipsa into the conversation is one of the things that I admire about her the most. Now I've known her for almost five years and she's a single person. I have observed how she has made her life, what we just talked about, so abundant, so fulfilling. And, and, you know, she, she's tried a lot of different things and come to really almost this perfect mix of what works for her. So we do want to learn from her. And at this point, we'll welcome her in the conversation. So welcome, Ipsa. Thank you for joining us in our first episode. Thank you so much, Ahmed. Uh, and thank you so much for that generous uh, introduction. My heart is genuinely warm from that. And I'm so happy to be here. Meant every word. But before we get into the questions, I, I'm, I'm curious, what made you agree to do this podcast? So when I first heard about the podcast, I think what resonated with me was the different themes that you were looking to explore. And um, as a single woman, I think that's something that I've always wanted to share my perspective on, knowing that everyone's perspective is a little different. As a single woman from India who moved to Canada maybe about six years ago, I look around and there aren't too many of us, uh, especially because uh, growing up in India, it's, it's often you get into um, marriages or start families fairly early in life. So as someone in my mid-30s, I look around and I don't see too many. And of the ones that I see, there are ones who are happy. There are ones who are searching and happy. And there are ones who are completely unhappy. And I think the idea of being single and happy is lesser explored until very recently and I'm very excited to share my perspective on it because I think over the years, I've definitely started to cultivate a lot of happiness and peace with the situation. So Ipsa, that's a perfect, uh, perfect introduction to ask, like, what is your, because obviously it's been a journey for you. What is Mm -hmm. your current relationship with being single? That's a great question. and, And something that I've thought about, maybe I'll answer it in a few different ways. So first of all, to start with, 
being single, it's not something that is the entirety of my identity, but it certainly is a big part of it because it influences a lot of decisions that I've made in the recent past and continue to make, starting from the kind of career that I have and the amount of time that I put into it, where I live, how I live, uh, what I spend my time and money on. I think if I weren't single, I'd be making very different choices. So I think it's definitely something that's been intertwined with my identity. Second, I'll add, I think, the, very simply, the relationship with uh, my relationship with being single is a very healthy one. And I think I've grown to love being single for a variety of different reasons. As they say, the grass is greener where you water it the most. In this phase of life, I've chosen to water it on the side where I'm single. Awesome. That is just fantastic, Ipsa. And that's why I love you so much. I think the next question I have, and you briefly answered it, but I want to explore that a little bit. You know, you, you said you've made some in, intentional choices in life that kind of fit with your um, identity. I guess, what was the path? What choices did you make? What worked? What didn't work? You know, what was the trial and error for you? So first of all, I love how you phrased the question. I think few years ago, um, I used to think about happiness or joy as this fleeting emotion or concept that was available at the end of a journey or a path. But I think I've soon realized that it's not something you find, but something you create very consciously and very, very purposefully. Yeah, to your point, there are a lot of things that I have tried, errored on, and then um, come to a conclusion on what worked. So I think what I, what I do, um, and this was heightened, especially in the last, I guess, 16 months during the pandemic, where I had to spend a lot of time with myself and really very purposefully think about the things that I wanted to do that made me happy. So I started by actually trying a whole host of things, uh, starting from creating to exercising to learning by doing courses on Coursera, as an example, doing things with people and doing things for people. And I think as I did more and more of these, I realized or at least started to pick the ones that actually gave me energy and joy. So I think if I think about what I do holistically, that's, that's sort of the process and I'll, I'll get to what, what worked and what didn't work. But on a day-to-day basis, I think the principle that I've always followed is um, the one about essentialism in that really think about what's essential and choose mm-hmm. to devote all of your time and energy to those things. And, you know, the more I do uh, do it, the more frightfully easy it becomes to identify things that are non-essential. And sometimes it's surprising the answers that you find where um, maybe someone that you spend a lot of time with prior to the pandemic, at least in my case, I was very able, easily able to identify that as non-essential. So I think that that process has worked for me so far and it constantly evolves. And I think in terms of things that have worked for me, it's, there are a lot of things, but maybe I'll share um, two or three top things that have worked for me. I'll start with uh, therapy. I think that's something that um, I've done, or I'd say I've been doing it for a while, but really committed to only in the last year and a half or so. And I think it's been a very eye-opening and reflective process for me. And not to say that I don't have people that I can talk to, but I think where I find therapy triumphs is people who knew me back when I was in high school knew that version of me. People who know me at work know that version of me but my therapist is only concerned with the person that I am in the one hour that I'm spending with her so Mm -hmm. I think it's been a very interesting self-discovery journey through that and I can't emphasize therapy enough so that's been a very nourishing experience for me second I would say dissociating my identity and happiness with another individual or from another individual and, and I say that more in the context of a romantic partner. I think it's been an important journey for me to dissociate myself from, from that concept. I think that's number two. Uh, and I think the third one, which has been fairly impactful for me recently, is committing to a creative passion of mine. What I do a lot of is, is writing. I mean, I write for myself. Uh, I journal a lot, but I'd be lying if I said that. Uh, the only person I write for. I do like to write for others and, and inspire. And I draw a little bit of happiness from actually inspiring other people. So 
in my day-to-day, week-to-week, I definitely try to add a little bit of writing and then publish it whenever I find that it's a good piece. And I draw a lot of uh, happiness from that as well. And I think mm-hmm. one thing that I've realized that doesn't work is whenever I've tried to draw my happiness from from someone else, like if I associated my happiness with an activity that I needed to do with someone, either it were, let's say it was going on a hike with someone or going on a bike ride with someone, it often resulted in disappointment. So I think whenever I drew happiness from things that I did by myself, uh, it's often been a little bit more rewarding. That, that was a beautiful answer, Ipsa. There was so much in there and so many nuggets of wisdom in there. And I do look forward in our future signed copy of Short Stories by Ipsa. Um, <laughs> you did mention that there were some things or some surprises along the way that things you thought would work but didn't. I'm curious to know what, what those were, like some painfully obvious things right now, but back then you thought should work. I think... Emma, do you know about my um, morning routine? Mm-hmm. And I have this very uh, detailed six-step routine. I think I have, over the last two years, reduced that to a five-step routine because I realized that one of them didn't quite serve me, and it was the one about activating gratitude. And I think I've often heard from a lot of people that activating gratitude and being grateful is definitely important to cultivating happiness. I think lately, as I've been thinking about things that I'm grateful for, I just often find that I'm rhyming them off and I'm talking about things or thinking about things that I'm grateful for, but mm-hmm. it's not really invoking feelings of gratefulness. It's things like, yes, I have a great family, I have a good job, and that's all it becomes. It becomes a laundry list of things I'm grateful for. So I think that's one that I have stopped doing and it's still been serving me well because everything else that I do in the morning uh, gives me a good jump start to get through the rest of the day. Right. And it's not saying that that doesn't work. It doesn't work for you. Right. And, and I, that's, that's the trial and error, the beauty of it. And that's absolutely right. I, I think it's very personal and uh, different things work for different people and different things work at different points in time. So it did work for me five years ago. It just doesn't serve me today. Mm-hmm. And that's the growth. Ipsa, you are just so so inspiring, I've got to tell you. You know, I haven't known you for very long, our listeners should know, but I just find your story incredibly clear and inspiring and humble. So thank you for that. Thank you, Karim. Yeah, one of the questions we had was around purpose and passion. And Michelle asked me whether purpose comes before passion or passion comes before purpose and and so on and so forth, right? So I actually did some research on that. And and there is no one answer, right? I mean, some people say you start with the passion and then you discover the purpose. And some people say, you know, you have to have the purpose and then you, you, you find your passion. And I've thought about it in terms of my own life. I won't go into that. Don't worry. But... (laughs) But I do think that purpose is is kind of an internal aspiration and a passion is the manifestation of that, you know, if I could just simplify it. I was wondering in the concept of nourishing ourselves, because nourishing ourselves meaning it, it always means completing ourselves and making ourselves a better whole, right? And so I was wondering if you had a comment on that. Sure. So. I think the way I think about it, for me, purpose is a bit of a goal. I think about or visualize what I would like to be or where I would like to be or how I would like to be. And passion is the fuel that helps me get to that goal. Thank you. And you actually touched on something very subtle that I've struggled with as well, because sometimes I find my passion does turn into a goal. And then I trip myself, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, I mean, these are complex subjects, but I'm so glad to have your perspective. Uh, back to you, Michelle. So here's a question for you. What do you love most about being single? I love this question. I think I've been single at different points in my life. I remember I've been single in my early 20s, late 20s, early 30s, and now in my mid-30s. And things that I've loved about being single 
has uh, has changed depending on what stage of life I've been in. So early 20s, I was happy because I could explore, uh, like explore who else was around. And uh, that was fun. When I was in my late or mid to late 20s, I think I was excited about being able to focus on my career very, very importantly and think about what that looks like. Late 20s to early 30s is when it was the hardest being single because that was around the time that everyone around me was getting married, having families, mm-hmm. buying houses, and basically moving on. I couldn't help but feel that pang. Intellectually, I knew this is not something I needed, but uh, there was still that feeling of this could have been me. So cutting to right now, I think it's perhaps the first time that I've been the most at peace about being single. Uh, And I think the biggest reason for that and what I actually love about being single right now is that it gives me the time and space to think about the kind of person I want to be, the kind of life that I want for myself, and then explore the person who would fit into that. And it also gives me the chance to think about what are the things that I would compromise on? Because I know that is an important element of mm-hmm. uh, being with someone. But I, I am genuinely grateful for the time that I have to think about who I want to be and, and what I want to be uh, before there is a partner involved in, in my life. That's awesome. Only, on, what is it? Only when you love yourself can you truly love someone else. That's what my Absolutely. dear friend RuPaul. That's what my dear friend RuPaul told me. And I say I'm into that every time. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. All right. Well, thank you, Ipsa. You've been honestly the best first guest we could ask for. Um, I know if you get a f- season two, I would want a whole episode with you. But this has been amazing. So thank you. Thank you, Emma, and thank you for having me. This has been uh, great to talk to three of you and hope to be back for more. Ipsa, just continue the good energy in life that you have because it just comes across and it's so helpful to not just people who are single, but people who are in partnerships as well. Your energy is awesome. Thank you. And it really helps to have people like you around who I draw energy from. So thank you. Awesome. I think a lot of women need to hear voices like Ipsa's. So I'm glad, Ipsa, that you shared your voice with all of us today. Oh, my God. What an abundant conversation. Um, thank you so much. And thank you, Ipsa, for sharing your thoughts with us. I guess we're nearing the end in this podcast or this episode here right now. But I want to ask you both a question, Michelle and Karim. You know, we've talked about passion. We've talked about purpose. We've talked about how do we make our day-to-day more interesting and joyful. But I want to ask you, what what do you want to be known for at the end of the day? What do you want your legacy to be? I, I When I think of my legacy, I think of something, again, Dr. Maya Angelou said is, how do sp- people speak about you when you leave the room? Oh, she was a nice person. Or, oh, no, I didn't want to be around her. Oh, my gosh, she would suck all the oxygen out of the room. Or what a, you know, what a kind person, you know, mm-hmm. she, what it would what a generous person. That's, I think, what I want my legacy to be is that people can say that, that they smile when they talk about me. Mm-hmm. If that's, if when someone mentions my name and there's a smile, I've affected their life in a positive way. And that's what I want to be remembered. Right. Karim? Michelle, it's hard to follow that. That is so beautiful. When you talk about legacy, we typically think about obituaries, right? You know, I'm in a place where I actually don't much care about what my obituary says because no one goes to the graveyard and there are words, there are not action. Hmm. And Mm -hmm. so, as I say in my, you know, one of the many beliefs I have is you come into this life alone you leave the world alone. What you take are your deeds and what you leave behind are your values. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that's where it's all about. It's about the values and the character and what I stand for. And each and every action in my life at this point, I hope, and I'm sure I still make a lot of mistakes, represents what I stand for. So in terms of a legacy, that's point number one. Point number two is a little bit of a 
uh, a pivot, but still very relevant, is to say at a certain point in life, you stop other people from deciding who you are and you take an inventory of your own strengths. And those strengths which actually build your brand, be very aware of them. Some people may think brand is a very corporate word and irrelevant here. It's not. It's what your equity is. It's how people see you. And so if you take an inventory of your strengths, it will just bring out the best in you because you are aware of what you have to offer to other people in life. So wise, Karim. Absolutely love that. Wow, Karim. That's, wow. I'm going to be thinking about that one for a while. What about you, Ahmed? You know what? TBD. I'm, I'm working, to, uh, working on figuring that out. What I do want to say, though, that I want to be remembered, to your point, as a good person. And I think that that, at the very minimum, would be my legacy. I think it's, it's small, but also it's massive. So we're, we're in the sweet spot right now. We've had some really good discussion here, and I absolutely love it. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Kareem. Thanks to Ipsa for joining us on this episode as well. I hope you all love this conversation. And please do share your ideas and your comments and your thoughts with us. As mentioned before, we have an Instagram, Being Single and Happy. We also have a website, beingsingleandhappy.com. You can DM us on Instagram. You can email us on karem at beingsingleandhappy.com or michelle at beingsingleandhappy.com or Ahmed at beingsingleandhappy.com. So we're giving you choices here. Until then, see you soon. Bye for now. You have been listening to Being Single and Happy with Karim Ladakh. You can follow us on Instagram. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next week for another episode. Until then, may you be happy.